You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello and welcome to the Scottish Football Forums podcast. I'm Craig and I'm the host of the podcast and as ever I'm joined by Greg and Chris. Good evening guys. Good evening. Hello, hello. I like, I like that as an introduction. I thought you might prefer that one to last week's. So. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I was talking to a guy at work earlier on, and I was joking to, and saying that I might even do hello, hello at the start, but I bottled it. I didn't have the guts. Ah, I see. <laughs> it's okay I'll, if a Celtic fan does it. I see. I'll, I'll see in for a cheap laugh. <laughs> oh, I, I'm sure he'll appreciate it when he's listening back. Right, on the podcast tonight, we've got loads of football to discuss, because we've got the international game, we've got Scottish Cup, got SPL, SFL, charity bets, we've got midweek football coming up, the Harry Ramsons Cup, the big tie of the midweek, I think that's it for the midweek, I don't think there's any other games, and then the upcoming games at the weekend. So I think we should right, go right back to the uh, Macedonia-Scotland game. Was that way back on Tuesday? Tuesday such a, week, a yeah. long time ago, and well, we came away for that two-one victors. But despite there being a lot of positivity around the the game, it, it could easily have been uh, on the end of a defeat there. Because I thought when Macedonia scored, I thought that they were the ones that were going to going to go on and score a, a second until well, Maloney's free kick, a beauty. It was McAllister got a wee bit excited about it, which was a bit confused. But he said it was Ronaldo like. Which, it was Lobo-esque. <laughs> it was, to me, it was a, and I don't mean any disrespect, but it was a, a standard free kick. It was an old school free kick, if you like. It was up down in the corner, but it wasn't like Ronaldo's, which is quite unique how he seems to hit it and it kind of flops. No, I just, see, I, I used to watch John Maloney when he was younger, uh, like warm up for Celtic, playing alongside Lobo Moravchik, doing exactly that same thing, just in training. And that's all that free kick reminded me of was what, you, what I used to sit and watch. So that's why that's why I say it was Lobo esque. It was I, I, for me, but I've taught him how to do that, and he's he's still managing to do that to this day. So oh, it was brilliant. It just wasn't oh, Ronaldo like. Oh, I, 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 it could have been more into the corner, I think. But I mean, any free kick that finishes in the back of the net, you can't really complain about. Yeah. So the the big talking point was Anya. Aye. He did look really good. I think that we don't want to get too carried away because I remember how. How excited everyone was about Burke when he made his reappearance for Scotland, and he just never really reached that those heights again. But Anya, he did look quality, he looked exciting, and he, he looked like he didn't have any fear. He looked like a, a proper old school winger who is there to enjoy himself and right. take players on, and for him not to hide. I know he's a professional footballer, but you think that you're coming in, you're making your first start for Scotland, you think that you, you're not going to really put yourself out there, but he did, and I was really impressed with him, and I think he could, could be good for the future. Aye, well, I mean, I'd like to see him get a few games for Scotland before we, we, we really say he's going to be good, bad, or indifferent, but what we've seen him in over these two games, because I mean, we, talk, we spoke about it last week after the Belgium game, that he, he seemed pretty good. His only problem was he was up against one of the fastest fullbacks at the in football. <laughs> but it looks at with the, the Belgian right back, whose name I still can't remember. Uh, but I, I, at this time he was up against a, a slower defence and he used it to the best of his ability. And 
I mean, it took his goal well. Got to give him praise for that, right in the corner. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if he can continue that for Scotland, then there's, there's a bit of hope. Ah, he's, he's, he's the new messiah. Forget all this nonsense about let's not get carried away. Let's get carried away. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> when's the last time you saw Scotland lose a lead, go down to one each, and of course it goes to one each he's sitting thinking, oh, here we go. When's the last time you saw Scotland go up the park and, and score a winner with like five minutes to go? I, I, I just thought it was incredible the other night. I really... Um, it's the first time I've celebrated an international goal in a long time, like properly celebrated it in the house by getting off the couch and shouting, yes, and scared <laughs> the kids. You're a changed man, Greg. I, I, I've, I'm turned right around. I'm going to go and buy a kilt and one of the daft hats. <laughs> one of the feathers, get a feather in your hat. One, one of the feathers in my hat and all that nonsense. But um, no, I mean, uh, all, all joking aside, I agree with you guys. I think I think Anya was, I think he... he, he it gave us a bit of swagger, a bit of confidence in the team that we've, we've really not replaced since James McFadden kind of went away from the from the Scotland scene uh, a wee while back. And it was, it was just this fabulous outball the other night as well. It was a case of we could knock the ball in behind, knock it into space. And we knew he was going to chase it down and, and, and nine times out of ten he was going to um, he was going to collect it and do something with it. So, it's, I mean, as you don't want to start hailing him as the new Kenny DeGleese or anything else, but if he can string two or three games together with a similar performance, and that's the key. He needs to sort of do that consistently. Yeah. Um, then he's, he's, he's definitely somebody that the fans, I think, would want to um, would want to see again. And, and like all these things international-wise, if, you, if you're paying your money and you're paying 30 quid to get into the game, you want to go and watch exciting players. That's what it's about. It's not really about so much grinding at results at times and, and he's the type of guy that I think if you got him playing in, in, in that side alongside maybe somebody like a um, like Fletcher up front as well I, I think that's a I think that's a, a decent partnership in the making so loads yeah, of positives other night I would agree with you about Fletcher because I, I think we played Naismith up top uh, against Macedonia and I don't think that's Naismith's strongest position yeah. to be honest I, I thought he did a power of running but he always should be just knowing the right place at the right time I know he managed to be in the right place at the right time for Everton at the weekend there, but just for Scotland, the pass always seemed to be behind him, or it was just out of reach, or he was at the wrong side of the goal or something. It didn't quite work for him. I think if we can get Stephen Fletcher in there, then suddenly that's a good move. We could probably have uh, Naismith in the team on the, the opposite side for Anya, and then we've got a good attack there. Uh, you've got Scott Brown, who I don't think I don't think he was as good against uh, Macedonia as he was against uh, Belgium, but he still had a reasonably good game. With Charlie Mulgrew sitting behind him, who seems to have found a position to play him for Scotland in defensive midfield. Suddenly we're talking about some positives about Scotland team here, which I didn't yep. think we were talking about before. I agree. I'm, I think we've still got a problem at the back. And exactly. That's, yeah. Yeah. That, that's my concern. Alan Hutton, on a good day, is good going forward. I don't think he's a particularly good defender. On a bad day, day he's a nightmare. From him, no. I know that's the problem. I haven't seen a good day from ages. I don't think Whitaker's any better on the other side. Uh, I don't think it helps if we play Whitaker on the wrong side anyway. I thought, yeah. to be fair, I thought Lee Wallace looked all right when he came on. So I think I, that's probably an option there. What still worries me is for Rangers. Uh, he, he, he bombs forward and I see him. He, he's across on my side in the, the second half uh, at Ibrox and he, he bombs forward uh, right, right late on in the game. And he still manages to to get back. He just never seems to look tired. Yeah. And he did that with his chance when he hit it by the post. And it, it wasn't a brilliant finish, but he, he managed to sprint back and cover. And I know he'd only been on the park 10, 15 minutes or something, but many players would struggle to get back. But he doesn't. 
And so I think that he's got the attack, he's got the defence as well. So I would have him on the left, definitely. Yeah. I, 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 I see I, that I, as I the future. I, I think we made this point again last week as well. They keep saying, oh, what about the fact he's only playing against third-tier teams? And you're thinking, well, that's the same for most of the Scotland team. Because they're playing, against, yeah. they're playing like League One yeah. in England. Yeah. Or the Championship in England in some cases. I, I, they were up against like the Belgian team. Were all, what, there was some of them in the Premiership. So yeah, they, they, for them they were making a step up anyway. So for Lee Wallace they have to make a step up. He's no any he's not any different for any other Scotland player to be honest. I mean, that, that guy would walk into out with Celtic, he'd walk into any SPL team. So I mean it's a nonsense yeah. to talk about it being, you know, no suitable to play at that level and no playing week in, week out. If you're a good player, you're a good player. I don't think it really makes that much odds with the division you're in. But I, at the back I agree with you guys, at the back it still looks it looks like a defence that's a wee bit shaky. The the, the, the centre half pairing I think are going to leak goals and who knows yeah. maybe if they get some more games together it might settle down a wee bit but for me both of them are just a wee bit a wee bit inexperienced and a wee bit rash so I'd be interested to see how that one pans out because to be honest I don't know if there are too many other, other options here other than maybe moving Mulgrew back a wee bit I don't know yeah you well, could Wilson pull him as well Danny, Aye, Danny Wilson's not bad mm-hmm. um, I mean we've seen the, what the under 21s were capable of against England and yeah. it uh, wasn't much I mean defensively that was a nightmare but having said that one of the players I didn't think played that particularly that well that day was Kevin McGatty and as we'll come on to later I thought he was absolutely brilliant at the weekend uh, so maybe there's, maybe there's other options there but it's like, like you say if we, what might be an idea is if we can get I mean I don't know how far out of it is but Darren Fletcher must be a good shout to come back into Scotland's squad if he can get back to his previous form. If you do that, you could push Mulgrew back into the centre of the defence instead of the centre of the midfield. Yeah, I do like Mulgrew where he was. Uh, this, oh, no, don't uh, get me wrong. Position on me. Yeah. Well, I thought it worked well. I thought it worked it well with him and Van Brown. Aye, it works really well. I mean, it's funny because I've never really seen him play there for Celtic. Well, for Celtic. He's generally playing at like left wing or left back or centre mid. Or centre back, sorry, rather than centre mid. It's very strange. He seems to have worked out that position for Scotland and he's actually played pretty well. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's not a case of I don't like Mulgrew there. It's the fact that I think Mulgrew would be, be a yeah. better option at centre-back I than the options they are playing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so just uh, just in a, a wee quick check online and f- apparently Fletcher's back training. Is he? Uh, with Man United, Jip. So that's, that's good. That's positive. Yeah, if we can get him back in, then that would certainly maybe free up that option for Charlie Mulgrew. Yeah, I wanted to uh, make a, a wee mention to something I read on Twitter. Now, there's uh, a, lot, a lot of biased comments on Twitter, and I, I hope that this was made tongue-in-cheek. Uh, there was a Rangers account asked who Man of the Match was, and somebody mentioned that Lee Wallace had to get Man of the Match, uh, and they, <laughs> mentioned, they mentioned his run forward when he was through and goal, how he knew that it would waste more time if he hit it by the post. <laughs> <laughs> rather than score. <laughs> ah, surely if he was going to waste time, he should have put it in the stand. Well, I would have done that, Greggy. Eh? I would have oh, put it out of the stadium. You're no stranger to hitting a ball on the roof. <laughs> I lost a ball last week. Playing. Joking. He's going to get invoiced for it just shortly as well, because we couldn't get it back a day, so he's got an invoice coming to him tomorrow. Or he's going to have to get it back. I've seen that uh, Scotland have got a friendly lined up with the uh, USA. Yeah, it's going to be 15th. the last, 15th of November, it's going to be the last game at Hamden before they shut it for the Commonwealth Games, upgrades, or downgrades, depending on your, your perspective. But, uh, they're putting a running track in at Hamden, so that's going to be the last game there. I still don't know what they're doing with like, the League Cup, 
semi-finals and finals in the Scottish Cup semi-finals and finals. I'd imagine they'll just take them to Celtic Park and Ibrox, what they usually do when Hamden shut. Go on tour. Uh, Easter Road might be an option. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'd certainly, aye, if, there's, if there's games that, are, like, that aren't going to be filling, the likes of the, but you do it anyway, but if you don't fill Hamden, you can take me elsewhere. But I would imagine Easter Road, Tynecastle, Pataudry, depending on who's playing, it's probably a good idea. Yeah. Right, you want to move on to the SPL, Chris? Yeah, yeah, because it was, a, it was a, an entertaining uh, weekend, certainly if you're watching on the daily, which is where we'll start with the, the lunchtime Saturday game at Tynecastle. Uh, which uh, the visitors Celtic took the lead thanks to Chris Commons from the penalty spot after Jamie Hamill for the second week running was judged to have handled an area. Uh, this time it wasn't his face like it was against Inverness but the debate still raged on as to whether it was intentional or not so we'll cover that in detail later. Yep. Uh, Anthony Stokes dotted made it 2-0 but was flagged offside which was uh, probably just right but uh, Jason Holt levelled the game in the second half which uh, looked like he needed a deflection but none of the TV cameras seem to be exactly clear if it was or not. I liked uh, Fraser Foster's attempt at a five-a-side save with his feet. <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> it was. Like the save Greg would make. <laughs> but uh, that lead, that uh, equaliser didn't last long as Anthony Stokes scored a second before setting up substitute debut boy Timu Puki with a beautiful scoop pass to allow the fin to head home and make it 3-1. Uh, it probably could have been more for Celtic given their domination, but uh, for a good defensive performance for Hearts, and especially, if, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Kevin McHattie, who was putting in some fantastic challenges, and I thought, uh, I've I seen a few people suggest he may have had Dirk Borigter in his pocket. I don't know if it was that much, but he certainly made a few decent challenges throughout the game, so uh, hopefully he can carry that on to be a Scotland international one day. Uh, so that made sure the scoreline remained close until late on. So that's Celtic still unbeaten domestic last season and take a good result in their opening Champions League group stage match in Milan. Meanwhile, Hearts remain on minus eight, but they'll be encouraged by their own performance and the results that followed. Which we'll go into the three o'clock games now. And we'll start off at Kilmarnock, where Inverness were the visitors. Celtic had drawn level with Inverness at the top again after the early kickoff. But it was as you were after the 3 pm games as we start uh, with uh, Richie Foran giving the visitors an early lead in opening 10 minutes through a header. Kilmarnock then pulled themselves level and fortuitous circumstances just before, uh, just after half time, as Graham Shinney's clearance hit off Barry Nicholson and finished the net. But uh, Kilmarnock level for just five minutes before Billy McKay's lob restored the lead and that lasted until the end of the game. So Inverness continued a great start having dropped just two points in the first six matches and that was at Celtic Park so that's not bad going at all. Well, Kilmarnock remained 10th on just two points. At Hill, Aberdeen finally got going again after the early promise thanks to two goals in the opening 20 minutes. Kelvin Zola got his first cup for the club as he headed home with Johnny Hayes' corner. And then Zola then turned provider as he found Peter Pollock who fired in the second. This did give it all, their all to get back into the game, while Aberdeen continued to try and put it to the bed, which they finally did with 20 minutes remaining through Josh McGuinness. A good uh, finish from a tight angle. And that win moves Aberdeen above their opponents up to fourth, while Thistle swept down to seventh, and were eventually eighth after the final game of the weekend, but more than that later. At McDermott Park, Stevie May fired the hosts ahead in their match against Hibernian after 17 minutes, but that lasted until 10 minutes before half time when a Scott Robertson effort hit the post and Paul Heffernan followed in the rebound to score his first goal for the club since moving from Kilmarnock. He wasn't the only man to get his first goal for Hibernian though, as James Collins hit on the hour mark to complete the turnaround. So here comes the start of the day. It's the first time a team other than Celtic Rangers has come from behind at McDermott Park to win since March 2007 when Livingston did it. And that can stretch back to just those four teams that have done it since January 2003, so that's not bad going for a decade. It's also, the, stats. Yeah. it's also the first time since August 2000, no, 2010 that St Johnson have lost a match after taking the lead. 
So that defeat sees St Johnson slip to fifth, while Hibernian have joined them in eight points in sixth. And there's a nice wee sort of gang of teams in eight at the moment. Uh, final Saturday game saw Motherwell visiting Paisley and a struggle in St Mirren. And what won't help Danny Lennon's men is Craig Thompson's impersonation of Dougie McDonald. Half an hour into the game, Keith Lasley pulled down Connor Newton and the referee pointed to the penalty spot. But after Motherwell protested, Thompson then consulted with his linesman and changed his mind to a free kick outside the box. And as a replay showed, it was bloody obvious. <laughs> How he ever gave it in the first place as a penalty is anyone's case. It's because it was Lasley who made the tackle. The automatic reaction is when Lasley makes a tackle, it's probably a foul and it's probably a penalty. That's what it was, his usual biased refereeing. Uh, probably. <laughs> anyway, the free kick came to nothing, and with seven minutes remaining in the first half, John Sutton's header crept through goalkeeper David Cornell and over the line for the only goal of the game. The second half, Sean Hutchison saw a header come back off the bar, while St Mirren's best hope came from Gary Harkin's strike, which was cleared off the line. It was a late stramash that saw Motherwell stand firm to claim all three points and stay third while moving back to within a point of Celtic. And St Mirren still have just a single point and remain nine ahead of Hearts. And finally, the Sunday game, which was live on TV, saw Dundee United visit Ross County. And the viewing audiences definitely want to watch this weekend because having seen the highest scoring Premiership game of Saturday at Tynecastle, the game in Dingwall even outscored that. United got things started in 18 minutes when Gary McKay-Steven beat Ben Gordon a ball and was then bundled over by goalkeeper Mark Brown for a penalty. McKay-Steven scored from the spot himself and two minutes later, Stuart Armstrong's header doubled the lead. Graham Carey then saw a free kick touched onto the post by Radoslav Szerzniak. Ryan Gold made it 3-0 just before half-time, but not before Sean Dillon appeared to take out Kevin Lacassin as last man after being caught in possession. But it was no foul given, oddly, and that meant United managed to keep 11 men in the park. Uh, the decisions continued to go against County when Nadir Chiefje was sent through narrowly offside to score the fourth goal. The flag stayed down, so the goal stood. Ivan Sproul's deflected shot with 18 minutes remaining pulled one goal for, back for County and Morocco Quinn then scored a second for the home side five minutes later there was some hope but unfortunately for them that was the end of the scoring and means County remained ninth on four points Dundee United after two games where they've scored four are now moving up the table with the best goal difference of the four teams that are sitting in eight points up to fifth and that's us for the weekend's action I'd like to mention that uh, the goal that Chiefs case scored and he was offside I don't know if you watched sports scene, but they highlighted that as a mistake from the defence. Yeah. Which, <laughs> no, bizarrely, not. the defence played them offside. <laughs> it's not their fault that the ref, the, the ref and the linesman didn't give it. It was, it was a bizarre one. It's something that the defence did their job. I yeah, thought. I, I agree. I, I totally agree with that. The the the. the so often you hear about the or oh, they they didn't move up as a team. Or is it, they didn't move up as a four. One of them held back, and that's why they played them on side. Well, in this instance, they all moved up as a four, and the linesman didn't flag. So <laughs> I suppose that's a risky run if you try and play the offside trap. The linesman make, make a mess here. <laughs> I suppose everyone's human. I don't want to be too harsh on the linesman, but definitely I don't want to be harsh on the defence no, for doing no, the job. I wouldn't swag a defence for that. That's, that's harsh. Uh, so you touched on the, the penalty incident. Yep. Uh, I, I can't see a problem in it at all. I think that it's good that the referee has uh, the courage. I think it was Thompson. I think it's good that he has the courage to, to discuss it with the linesman and change his mind because the easy answer there would have been just to be stubborn and yeah. just stick with the penalty. Yeah. So it takes I, a lot of guts. I, I, I think St Murren's argument was he wasn't going to change his mind until Motherwell moaned about it. But to be honest, when you see it back, you think that, that Motherwell right to moan that he'd have a penalty because it was... Clearly outside the box. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think unless some of the players had, had had 
uh, remonstrated as they did. I think it would probably have stuck to what he was saying. But there was three or four of them who were clearly pointing at the spot and the, the ground outside the box where the tackle was made. So fair play to him for, for taking a second opinion. But um, it's a poor decision to begin with, man. Yeah. I, I, I think ultimately it's good that he spoke to his linesman because I think some referees are terrible for not doing that. And if you speak to the linesman, you get a different perspective because he's got a different view. And obviously he was up to play and could see clearly the tackle was outside the box where the referee might not have been able to see it as clearly. So they should speak to them. They, they call them assistant referees for a reason, but there's too many of them just treat them as linesmen, like yeah, old-fashioned. Yeah. That's the thing, though. They're all mic'd up these days, are they not, the, the referees yeah. and the linesmen? Yeah. So I, I don't know why the referees, uh, the linesman's not in his ear telling them it's outside the box. And I don't see why... The referee has to go to the linesman to consult, unless the linesman's told that we come over right enough. But you'd have thought that linesman would have been in a better position to overrule the decision. Whether or not that happens, I don't know. But he would have had a far better view than the, the referee. I think there's a culture there with referees and linesmen yeah. where the referees are the boss. Yep, yeah, maybe right. They make it clear that, like, because you see it when the, the ball goes out for a throw in, you. You see the, the linesman quite often looks at the referee, waits for the referee to raise his hand yes. before he raises yeah. a flag. Yes. <laughs> That's and always it, a popular one among supporters. That when they, <laughs> when especially when it's right next to the linesman. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what you're doing, linesman! <laughs> aye, aye. See, what they need to remember is it shouldn't be the referee's the boss and they all do as they're told. They're there as an officiating team. Now, the referee can be the team leader. There's no problem with that, but he has to he has to take advice from his team. Yeah. To get even the decisions right. Official. That's what we want. Yeah, even the fourth official. The fourth official doesn't appear to do too much other than hold up a board and keep the, yeah. the managers from fighting each other. But <laughs> struggle within the board. <laughs> I struggle with the board some of them. I know that one Saturday as well. It was it was clearly a foul. So he's got to do is blow the whistle because it's obviously a foul. Consult with his linesman and then if it's apparently points to the spot if it isn't Yeah. It doesn't. But he was yeah. too he was too um, quick to, to act and point at the spot there made himself like a wee bit daft to be honest yeah. I'd like to mention fans misbehaving <laughs> seen it in the Celtic oh. and Hearts game and also Motherwell fans what is it with <laughs> folk bringing pyrotechnics into football oh, grounds when they're it? clearly told that it's not on it's dangerous and they still persist there's a picture on Twitter i seen a, a guy with a, a cut in his leg yeah. It, it looked sore, it wasn't too too bad it wasn't a hospital job but it still looked sore and if that's what's happening to members of your own support just cut it out, it's just yeah. it's foolish, it's, I just don't understand why they're doing it especially when they're told so often that it's just not wanted at the grounds it, it makes me laugh because it's one of these things that they say oh it adds to the atmosphere and I'm thinking it's heart Celtic, that atmosphere doesn't need added to, it's always been quite vitriolic if nothing else it can it can be intimidating and it can be exciting at the same time but there's really any need to throw a smoke bomb about nah I mean there is there's, there's a bit of hoo-ha over the over the uh, the Saint game I, I mean there, there was two there were two smoke bombs let off in the motherland um, during the first half but the at the end up of that game that went from what was essentially a, a, a police free game like it was just it was pretty common in the in the, um, the the SPL these days, there's there's no police inside the stadium. It went from having no police inside the stadium to 25 uniformed police in the Motherland at the end of the game, four um, undercover police at the front of the Motherland equipped with stab vests and pepper spray to deal with what was essentially 
30 daft young boys jumping up and down, banging a drum and singing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, 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 don't, I can't excuse the smoke bomb thing because you're absolutely right. You just, you know what, don't take them into the ground. If you take them into the ground, then you're going to attract attention. But to detain 30 or 40 supporters after a 90 minutes, when's the last time anybody was detained in the football ground in this league? I, I just find it staggering. I think I think St Mirren have got um, some questions to answer over the, their handling of that on Saturday because it took what would have been a, a, a nothing situation and it's escalated into something that could quite easily have got out of hand. And it's just it's fortunate that I think the people that they were detaining were young enough that they weren't going to question it or start any bother because had they detained another section of other support that day, I think there might well have been trouble. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, though, Greg, they should have behaved. They should have behaved. Two people letting off smoke bombs. It's a big jump for having two people letting off smoke bombs to detain 40 supporters who happen to be in the vicinity of the two people that have let the smoke bombs off. So the people they're detaining, the majority of them haven't been letting smoke bombs off. So Were they it, protecting them? Because I've heard uh, uh, some support, uh, like I'm going to use the term huddling, that gives a, a way kind of fan. <laughs> but huddling round the, nah, the listen, people who are setting off the, the bombs to protect them from the police and basically saying, well, we're not going to let you pass. We're not going to let you arrest them. Did no, that happen? Is that why they, they got no, heavy I, I don't think so. Cause we're, talking about, we're not talking about uh, a stand full of supporters. We're talking about a sort of three-quarters full stand. And it just happened to be at the end where, where these young guys congregate. The pictures I've seen, the smoke bombs look as though they were set off behind the supporters that were detained at the end of the game. So I don't think there's there's been any rhyme or reason. I think they've just taken it on themselves to target the ones at the front who are standing and they've got their drum and more or less Aye. telling them they're not leaving. I've also heard reports of 14-year-old supporters being detained in the toilets at half-time and being searched by the police for no other reason but they happen to be sitting in that section of seats. I mean, I say before, the smoke bomb thing, don't take them in. Take them in, you're going to attract attention. So don't complain about it. But by the same token, the authorities and the, and the stewards and St Mern can't react in that manner. 25 police at the end of that game on what should have been a police-free game. It's, it's, a, it's an utter nonsense. It's harassment. It's all, yep. When it comes down to it, it's, it's pure and just harassment. And uh, see, from a, from a Celtic fan perspective, I'm kind of almost glad this has happened to another team now because this is the kind of nonsense the Green Brigade have been putting up with for months and months and months. And I remember them having uh, one of the protests in George Square because I went along. Well, I didn't go along. I seen one of my mates went along and took, was taking photos, and he was taking most of the the. It was mostly Celtic fans that were there, but one group of fans that were there was the Motherwell fans. And yep. for the for when I was at the away games last season, of all the groups of fans that I was noticing were getting kind of organised properly, it was probably the Motherwell fans that were organised best outside the Green Brigade. I think. Because they're always there's always that uh, sort of group of they're, they're quite young and they're quite uh, noisy and they like their drum and all that but they, they usually stand just next to the south stand and the yep. the, the whatever that yep. stand across the main stand is it for east stand east stand aye. and us, they're usually in there and usually towards the, the where the way support are in the south stand and so they're noticeable and but any time I've been to first park it's been entertaining banter between the two of them yeah so yeah. It, for me this enhances the game. And yet, it's there's people like that that are being hassled by the police. Yeah, one thing I've got against uh, you mentioned that protest is the group that started up the fans against criminalisation. Now they use the Celtic scarf and the badge. Yeah, the, it defeats the, the purpose. 
they've got they've got a guy who's in jail with a Celtic scarf round his wrist. Then they've got the Green Brigade and <clears throat> I don't know the other the other badges, but they're all Celtic badges. Yeah. Encompassed the whole of Scottish football in this. This if you really are fan fans against criminalisation, what I see is Celtic fans against criminalisation. Yeah. Yeah, they they could do with a bit better marketing than that. The, yeah. I, I, I agree with what they're trying to do and to a certain extent they are getting support from other clubs but they need to remove the Celtic branding from it a bit from, for, because they're not, they'll have a bit more success if they can get people like the Motherwell fans behind them more the, the Blue Order is probably the, the, the Rangers equivalent isn't it? I'm, I'm, I'm telling you the, the, the Rangers, uh, the Blue Order in that corner of the stadium want exactly what Celtic fans want. Yeah, and but they have nothing many, to do with fans against criminalisation because exactly, it's got that green exactly. and white scarf on it. They all just want, they should all just get together because they all want the same thing. Yeah, like massive. I've seen uh, scenes like Greg mentioned at the Motherwell game there where the police have become too heavy handed and it has kicked off and unfortunately the fans have got themselves in trouble and getting arrested because they're fighting back but I've seen it turn nasty and, well, luckily it didn't happen this time. Luckily, the, as Greg says, maybe it was because they were so young that they were maybe a, a little intimidated and yeah. they, they didn't feel that they could ah, fight back. Which that's, 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 it's, basically, it's, it's basically kids that don't want to get in trouble with their mum and dad. That's what yeah. we're talking about here. And that's what the police play on. They say, look, any more of your cheek, I'm going to lift you and you'll be taken home in a police car. And they only do it with these kids because they know they can get away with it. There is no way they'd have weighed into that end if it had been full of Rangers or Celtic supporters, a full boys to the stand. They would have stayed well out of the way. But because there's only, you know, a few hundred Motherwell fans in there, they get in there and, they, they, I mean, the pictures are, are unbelievable. In this day and age, you're seeing yeah. supporters surrounded by police. And I tell you something else, the silence coming out of Fair Park at the moment is a disgrace as well, because they should be right on that and they should be condemning the action of the police. But of course, they're not. They're happy just to sit there and uh, not rock the boat when it comes to, you know, getting up St Mirren's nose or anything else. But it's, it's high time Mother will come say something about that, because the, the, the treatment of their supporters, paying supporters, guys that are paying 20 quid to get into that game, the treatment at the hands of the police on Saturday was an absolute disgrace. Can we can we move on and mention the the handball incident or incidents <laughs> in the the Celtic game? The the big one was when the ball did hit Hamill's hand, which was a, a bit different yeah. from his forehead, as you mentioned, Chris. <laughs> but so it definitely hit his hand. I don't think there's any debate there. It's no. without. I want to say it was a handball. But I, I hope you know what I mean by when I say it was definitely a handball because I hit his hand. Mm-hmm. The the debate is whether it was in breach of the rules. Yes. And I've read a lot of people saying that it's definitely not. He knew nothing of it, and it was definitely. I'm going to use ball to hand. That's not in the the rules. But uh, the, his hand wasn't in an unnatural position for the movement he was making. Which but what I found interesting, Chris, <laughs> was that. You were quite adamant that he moved his hand towards the ball, which yeah. is something I didn't see, but I find that an interesting take on it. So the, the only other person I've heard make any reference to the ball, or to, to Hamill's arm being moved forward towards the ball, was Billy Dodge last night. But Billy Dodge was also talking about unnatural position, so I'm kind of loath to even use him as an example because he clearly just thinks that the rules say unnatural position, which, as we know, they don't. 
expected. But yeah, there was there was distinct movements in the move because the corner comes in and both Stokes and Hamill are effectively wrestling each other trying to get position. Now they're both at it, so as a referee, I would be inclined to just go, I play away. So they managed to break free of each other, and then at this point, uh, Hamill's got his arms out to his side, outstretched. Which has been never mind on actual position nonsense. At this point, it's outstretched. It's almost pointing at the camera. And as Stokes makes contact with the header, he swings that left arm forward so that the when the ball hits his hand, it's almost in front of him by this point. So he's moved his arm by ninety degrees. Now, for me, I, I, that's a that in itself is an odd movement to be making unless you're attempting to play the ball with your hand. Mm-hmm. It's mentioned in the rule book. Yeah, what I did here was, I think it might have been you yourself, actually, when we were discussing this, was that he may have been using his arm to jump. Now, I could understand that, but any time I've ever jumped with my arms out, my arms tend to move down to try and thrust me up into the air, not forward, which is what his arm did. Yeah, he's already on the way down when he swings his arm. He's not on the way up. He's coming down from being in the air, and he definitely swings his arm forward. Now, whether he's intentionally trying to make contact to the ball, I don't know, because he's looking downward. But if you swing your arm forward like that, then you're asking for trouble. And I I, I think it's a spot-on decision. I think it's the right decision. I think more of these should be given because it's, I mean, you're talking, what, four yards in front of the goals? So it's a definite goal-scoring opportunity. He's denied it swinging his arm forward. Sorry for butting in, but the rule book doesn't mention where, where the ball is going. Uh, when we're discussing whether it's a handball, it doesn't matter whether it's going to go in the goals, whether it's going to go out at the halfway line. A handball <laughs> is a handball. The, go- the goal-scoring opportunity thing does raise an interesting point, though. If it's a goal-scoring opportunity and that ball's heading towards the goal, why was it only a yellow card? Yes, yes. That comes into it definitely when you're talking about the, the punishment. Yeah. And yes, I agree. If he's given the penalty, then I don't think you can get any more obvious than a shot that's going towards a goal. The the thing I would say about the, the, the giving of the handball is that happens so fast, I'm surprised Willie Collin was able to see it happen. Because yep. I, I, I mean, I've had the benefit of watching that in several replays, been a uh, time and again. I've seen the highlights on the telly last night. I watched it at the time. And every time I was, I was I've, I've analysed it enough that I could see that I've seen the arm swinging forward and decided that he's, he's I can't understand any other reason he would do that. So for all I can't make that decision, he must be supersonic in his head or something and have magnificent vision, which is completely uh, the opposite of what I usually think about what I call. Nah, he's, 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 just, <laughs> he's just got lucky. He's just got lucky and gone with a shout. Yeah, I think so. I thought that was an odd defence by Gary Locke after the game. None of the Celtic players had claimed for it when the replay clearly showed Stokes. <laughs> First reaction was, he's handballed that. <laughs> aye. Aye, so, well, I think that's... Uh, I don't think it was a, a handball because I think that it was too close for him to, to know anything about it. And the rules say that it has to be a deliberate act. And I, I don't think it was a deliberate that, act. For, that's the other thing. For me, if he has meant to handle that, it's been instinctual. Which means you should probably take up goalkeeping because that's the only other kind of instinctual people swinging arms about like that I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. And then there was another handball incident. I think it was Ambrose. And yeah. uh, the ball hit his hand. He knew nothing about it. And for me, that's, uh, that's definitely not... A handball, definitely not a breach of the rules. Yeah. But a lot of people were saying that if the the Hamill incident was given, then that should be given as well. Yeah, but I think that the, the two of you see the Hamill incident as a, a handball. So yeah, 
I mean, that's the thing. For me, if Hamill has aimed the, the hand round to hit the ball, whether he's meant that or not, I don't know. I'm not a psychic, I can't read his mind. In the case of Ambrose, his arm was at his side, and the only movement that arm made at all was when the ball hit it and knocked it away. Yes. Yeah. So there was never any intent to play it with his hand. Right, we wouldn't even be talking about to... it if it wasn't for the Hamill incident. Yeah, exactly. If, if anything, he was trying to draw his hand away. When that's, he, he sees him reacting, it's, the, the instincts to whip his hand away, but it still catches his hand. So there's, there's no way that's yeah. that's, that's the same sort of, same sort one of thing. thing. One thing I liked was, I'm not sure if it was during a live game or whether it was during a sports scene, but somebody was discussing the uh, having your hand in an unnatural position. And that's not in the, the rule book, but we'll... We'll run with that for a bit. And somebody was saying, well, you can't get any more unnatural than the defenders who put their arms behind their back when they're going out yes. to, to greet a winger. That's a good yeah. point. That, <laughs> that, that, that stands of almost standing in front of the headmaster. <laughs> yes, yes. I've I, I seen a, a wee animated gif, and obviously it must have been on the TV as well. I, th- I think it's when, is it Stokes? Stokes chipped it over for Pookie, didn't he? Yes, yes, aye. Stokes' scoop. Yes, and did Stokes score before that? Yeah, Stokes got the second. Right, right, that's it, that's it. Because he was running away towards the fans and he gave them the shush. Yes, I thought he took his hands and... I can't hear you. Yes, but, he did. Uh, he Straight after uh, the shush. Is that what it was? Shush, ah. And then he says, then he put his, he cupped his ear. So it was a wee bit of a confusing signal to send. It was a bit. <laughs> Shut up, I can't hear you. What? <laughs> but I was booked for that, which is a punishment that never seems to get dished out to Celtic players as far as I can see. But nonsense, isn't it? Absolutely nonsense. Yeah. Uh, see from what I've heard, uh, Stokes was getting some amount of abuse from the Hearts fans, which, given he's, he, he used to play for Hibs, doesn't really surprise me. So uh, for him to be dishing it back out again, just as part of the game for me, he shouldn't be getting booked for it. Yeah, I think the the bit in the rule book says uh, a player must be cautioned if he makes gestures which are provocative, derisory, or inflammatory. So but I, I don't know. I love all that. See if see if you've got. I remember it happened up at Fir Park. It was, it was big Derek Townsley that um, had a torrid time at Motherwell. He was not a bad player, but he got slated left, right and centre. Left and he went to Hibs, come back, first game. Of course, he's getting pelters for the first 20 minutes. Scores a goal and, and he runs the entire length of his stand with his hand cut to his ear. Because all these guys are absolutely losing the plot and going to have a heart attack and all the rest. I, th- I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> that's, that's that's what I want to see. I want to see I want to see players go over to Moral fans and saying, "Get it right up, you," because the, the, the abuse goes in another direction. I think that I think if you stamp that out of the game, then again you're just losing something else and you're sanitising something else. Players have got to be allowed to do that, and even if it does create a wee bit of argy bargy in the stands, that's all good as well. You know, gets the gets the blood the blood pressure up a bit. Yep. I think you've got idiots in the fans, though, Greg, I, that are going I, to take I, it a wee bit too far. Listen, you've got idiots in there that would react to anything, so I, I don't think it makes much of the bunch. It's entertainment. We're supposed to be getting entertained here. It's like the old pantomime stuff, isn't it? Like boo hiss. MD takes it seriously. I don't want to be in there in the first place, so nah, I'm, I'm all for that. More of it. Was it, was it Harson that got hit years ago in an old firm game? He got hit in the head by a cup. <laughs> Petrov. Uh, it was Petro. Was it? I remember uh, him just going as if he was hurt, <laughs> and uh, it turns out it was a cup. But anyway, but seriously, that could have been dangerous. That could have been uh. a cup of tea. Uh. 
it was Petro. Petro had just scored a header at Ibrox at the other end from this where the Celtic fans were. So he celebrated and got a cup of coke in his face for the trouble. <laughs> but see, I think that's all right as well. Cause as long as I'm not coins, right? I see the odd pie coming on. It could be a cup of tea. A pie's all right. Can it be some, a cup somebody, of tea's dangerous? Somebody chucking a, chucking a half-eaten pie on the pitch is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> If you take a chance of running to the away support doing that, then expect a pie in the shop, you know? See, see if somebody chucked a pie at me for scoring, I'd probably pick it up and tap. <laughs> <laughs> as long as there's no brown sauce in it for me. Aye, it might be no brown sauce, because you know some fans are like... <laughs> <laughs> That's just the Motherwell fans. <laughs> right, I think we've covered everything in the SPL. Uh, yeah, I think so. Aye. Aye. Aye, I think that's us. Right, we'll move on to the, the, the other leagues then. Aye. Uh, Alright, we'll start off in the, the championship. I've still, no, I've still marked it down as the SFL. I know. In fact, that's I've just... marked it as the SPL. Did I call it the SPL again? May have done. Yep. <laughs> right, was... SPFL War Leagues. That's it. We'll start the championship where Hamilton's 100% record is gone because he drew nothing each with Dundee. But he still laid their opponents with five points. Uh, Race Rovers have joined Dundee on the eight-point mark after their 1-0 win over Queen of the South. Falkirk lost 1-0 to Cowdenbeath. They suck. Explain why in a minute. Yep. And slipped to fourth. Well, fifth place, Alwa Athletic lost to Dumbarton 2-1. Livingston remain bottom despite their 2-2 draw at Wolverham Morton. In League One, that's uh, Rangers now the only team in the four leagues with 100% record after they came from behind to beat Arbroath 5-1. That's uh, some second half. It was nothing each half time. Yep. <laughs> Uh, they, led, they lead them firm by five points after the Pars drew 1-1 away to Breaking City. Third place, Dennis Muir also drew one each at home to fourth place, Air United. So that's why Rangers now have a bigger lead. At the other end, Forfar got their first league win 3-1 away to East Fife, while Stranar are now bottom after their 3-2 defeat away to Airdrie. In a week two, East Stirling are still the leaders after a 2-1 win away to Clyde. Berwick Rangers are up to second after their 2-0 win away to Albion Rovers. That's because Stirling Albion lost 2-0 at home at Annan Athletic. And in other games, Elgin City and Montrose both edged away from the bottom spot as they shared a three-each draw, while Queen's Park are still the only team in the four divisions on zero points after a 2-1 defeat away to Peterhead. I see the Jig scored his second hat-trick in as yeah. many games. Back-to-back hat-tricks. career hat-trick as well. He'd never done <laughs> it before. Yeah. That's, see? It's almost unbelievable. Hat-tricks are little bossy, sir. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I was thinking of, of taking that on to the, the charity bet this week what, Jig Jig I think so I think because so. we, we, we had such a a poor performance again this weekend we had yeah. Roberts to score first for Falkirk and we, we doubled up as well mm-hmm. so because Wraith won that was it 1-0 uh, Greg Spence I think scored the goal uh, so we lost the score it was Cowden Beast that scored in the 89th oh, minute as well because right. I was sitting watching Soccer Saturday knowing Dundee were drawing and thinking, well, they might get a goal late. The Falkirk game's still 0 0. There's still a chance Roberts can get that goal. Yes. And then 89 minutes, Cowdenbeath scoring, just, oh, your heart sinks. Yeah. Aye, so the, the, the charity bet was tough. Uh, Morton drew. Yep. Uh, Peter Head, they beat Queen's Park 2 1. But I had to do a wee bit of digging for that result because the BBC have ignored that game. I don't know if it's some kind of protest, <laughs> but it's not on their website, not in the results section anyway. And Greg was reminding me that he picked Peterhead. 
Well, I don't know. I, I can't remember who I picked. I was claiming Peterhead. Claiming look I did. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember picking any of the buns. Sounds like a type thing I would pick. Against Queen's Park? Yeah, I probably was. I can't remember. Aye. Right, another so I was thinking another no return. Right. I was thinking for first scorer, I'm thinking Robert's can get lost because he's rubbish, right? Aye. Well, aye, I'm I'm Lee is fine. He's playing four for I think. Four for away and it's on the telly box. Oh no, four for away. <sighs> four for are going to score first, aren't they? It's got uh, it's going to be like Gavin Swanky gets the first goal in this game, isn't it? <sighs> oh, I don't right. I don't care. Right. Right, we'll not for it. We'll, we'll just go for it because we're rubbish at us anyway. So. Yes, yeah. there's no yeah. point debating it. <laughs> Right now for the the matches, I was I had two Premiership games in mind. Oh. Right now the first one was Hibs at home to St. Mirren. Oh right, St. Mirren. I fair enough. Aye. <laughs> I was thinking that's a bit dodgy, but it's St. Mirren, so I go for it. Aye, well Hibs are doing. Oh, the, they've had a, a wee bit of a bad start, but then they're coming into it again. They had a, a good win at the weekend there, and they're up against St. Mirren. So they're eleven to ten. I think I think the the Premiership's best avoid. I think that's the the toughest set of fixtures I've seen this season to pick clear results from. Every single one of those games could go either way, or could be a draw. Um, don't talk me. Don't let me talk you out of it. But I think that's I think that's a risk. Right. Well, put I'll, I'll pencil that in where we discuss uh, the other. I'm going to go piece. Hamilton Aki's at home to Cowden Beath. I'm getting in there early with a stick on. <laughs> <laughs> One to two. Yes. The only thing that puts me off is that Cowden Beath screwed the bet last week. Aye, <laughs> <laughs> well, we're only dead two weeks in a row. Hamilton Aki's are playing uh, just now very unlucky against Dundee at the weekend. By all accounts, Dundee goalkeeper get man of the match. I think they'll come good at home. Aye, fair enough. Right, I'm going to take... I don't know what to take them Fairman or East Stirling. Dunfermline look a good bit. Aye, Dunfermline against Airdrie. Airdrie are crap. East Stirling against Albion Rovers is the other tempting one. Yep, yep. That does look good. The East Stirling's good odds. Does it? 29 to 20. Aye, yep. Better than evens. Almost Dunfermline. They are odds on 13 to 20. Yep. Well, go for East Stirling then. Right, I'm going to stick with Hibs. <laughs> Aye, I'm, I'm not. I'm not arguing that one. I think of of the of the, the games in the top flight, that's it's Hibs at home, decent one. So yep. Aye. <sighs> Hibs are crap. It's awesome one. Take Inverness away, Aberdeen. No, I don't know. That's no. a tough. T- that's a tough test for Inverness this week. No, I'm not that. convinced with that, Greg. Take Dundee. Take Dundee United at home in Motherwell. No, I was tempted by Celtic. At home at St. Johnson. Yeah. I know that they've got the, the European game midweek. Aye, that's what pushed me off. Aye, St. Johnson, if that's a slump, I take Celtic. Have... Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm taking Hibs. <sighs> Stick with Hibs. Right, so... Hibs, Hibs have got enough about them. See, since they put Liam Craig in the right position, they seem to be doing a bit better. So, aye, I would stick with Hibs. Right. Right. right, so the aye. £10 charity bet, courtesy McBookie, goes on. Hibs at 11-10, Hamilton at 1-2, Easterlin at 29-20. to 20. And the £10 treble returns £77.18. And we'll also put £10 on Jig to be first scorer for Rangers against Forfa on the TV match on Sunday. I don't have the odds right now, but I'll have the odds later in the week and I'll put it on the forum. Right, so that's us for the charity bet. And I wanted to mention the, the big midweek game 
that we've got coming up. It's been a long time coming. Looking forward to this. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be a, a full house for this one. And we've got the, the Ramsons Cup, Queen of South versus Rangers, on the, the Tuesday night. It's on BBC Alba at 10 o'clock and they've titled the programme Live Football. I've seen them do that a few times. eh? (laughs) So it's a 10pm kick-off. I think it's so it doesn't clash with the Champions League. I think that's what it is. Aye, because we've got, was it Man City, Victoria, Poison or whatever their name is? was on one of the games it's on on Tuesday night. Nobody cares about the English teams though, because obviously it's uh, the Wednesday game that's the important one when Celtic are in the San Siro to play AC Milan. That's it. Aye, an exciting, exciting game. Well, it's an aye. exciting group. Every every game in that group. <laughs> Pretty much. But aye, uh, so you got plans for it, Chris? You going out to watch it, or are you in the house with a few beers? I might to play football. <laughs> oh, you're kidding me, on. No, I, 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 I'm needing a run because I'm fat. <laughs> I, need, I, need, I need to get my fitness up, basically. How are you uh, managing but, to organise a game during uh, that? It's, that's... No, it's not me that organises it, and it's no Celtic fans I play with. So, I but neutrals will watch it, I'll watch it. The, the, it's fine, because the good news is it's 7 o'clock instead of the regular 8 o'clock, so I'm figuring I can play the hour, and then I can listen to the, the rest of the first half and the way the road, and watch the second half of the game. It's all, it's all fine, I can live with it. That's all right. That's it's not as if it was. It's not as if I'm missing the game at Celtic Park or anything, because I wouldn't do that. All oh, our home games are Tuesday anyway, which is good. Yeah. But aye, it, should, it should be good um, because we seem to be getting a bit of luck with injuries as far as Milan are concerned. Because Kaka is out for a month now. With a he says he's going to go without pay. Aye, I've seen time. that. That's, a, that's pretty good. Him. Aye. He's, he's obviously quite happy where he is, but he's not the only one because uh, Montalivo's out, El Sharawi and his haircut. They're both out. Uh, there's a few others that are out. I th- the one that still worries me is the likes of Balotelli and uh, especially Matri especially. Matri was at Juventus last season and he was a, a handful for us in the last 16. So I can see him being a, a, the the man to watch again this time. They seemed lucky at the weekend. They were 2-0 down and they scored in the 87th minute and then seven minutes into injury time. I, I don't know how you get seven minutes injury time. That's just made up. But they managed to get it back to two two just against. Yeah, still going. Still got the drop. Still got it. So, it's, it's, I, I don't think we could be playing Milan at a better time to be honest. But it's still uh, every game in this group is going to be really tough. We're, we're the bottom seeds, and <laughs> it's three really good teams we pulled out of that hat. So I think uh, if we had to go to the San Siro at any point, I'm, I'm glad it's now. But it's going to be tough anyway. It's all about the adventure. That's well. If it was my team, that's what I would be thinking. I think it's a, a dream group, and go there and enjoy it, and don't expect anything. And if anything happens, then it's a wee bonus. Nice. That's that's how I would see it anyway. You know, Celtic have never won in that way, so <laughs> that's we've also got a bit of history against us. <laughs> Although to be the San Siro's, we've actually done the best because we 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 have a habit of going to extra time in the San Siro. We did it in the the 1970 European Cup final. Against Feyenoord, and we did it more recently when that's uh, what was Kaka got the only goal with the, the, the two leg tie. We had a 0 0 at Celtic Park, went over there, 0 0 at full time, and Kaka scored an extra time. I remember that one now. I can't no, remember no. The, the first game you mentioned, Greg, I'll maybe remember oh, watching it when he was at uni. I remember that, uh, yes, <laughs> yep. I'd already done a shift, I came in and watched it. Uh, that was a handball in that game, by the way. <laughs> but the, the winning goal was scored a couple of minutes for the end, and uh, like it was Bob McNeil jumped up and, be, and tried to catch it and missed. It fell again, he put it in the net. 
it would have been a penalty anyway. <laughs> he, he got enough of it to touch on it. But I don't think it was, I don't think it was any doubt that was deliberate. <laughs> right. Uh, so Champions League on Wednesday, BBC Alba on Tuesday. That's what more can you ask for for midweek football? It's it's just perfect. Right, we'll move on into the predictions for the yep. Premiership. I was looking back at our predictions last week and we were woeful. Yep. Even with grumpy old man chipping in, with <laughs> none of us really got close. Oh no, we were close with Celtic until Pookie put that third goal. I know I didn't even realise until the third goal went in that I was close. No, you as well, Chris, because you copied I me. To be honest, I don't mind when it gets scuppered like that. Did we not did we not predict all the right outcomes though? No. Did we not predict all the way wins, no? No. I never. I know I'd 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 what silly things like party this will get a draw. Mm. <laughs> well we did nobody home. predicted Hibs winning. Oh, it was right, 2-0 for me, 1-0 Greg, 1-0 Chris, 2-0 yeah, Grumpy. Uh, I done okay. Yeah, I had five five correct uh, results, not the actual scoreline. Mm-hmm. Five away. You used to put that in the I, You got three, Greg. Chris got three. And Grumpy got four. Aye, so I'm dropping down the, the leaderboard. You got a... Pre- Scottish football forums.scottishfootballforums.co.uk slash predictor and if you go to the leaderboard you could see how badly I'm doing because I'm away down to 23rd 32 points Hibs boys at the top with 37 Cun 1E I always think that's a swear word he's in 36 <laughs> Dave Kitcher's 36 and then there's a few other there's a mad Tim he's in 35 cool. did I hear it was like the first time in about 5 years or something since that all, it was all the away wins in the, the top flight. Yeah, I think it's been a while they were making a, making a point of that one the results shows. And that's like, other than the Hibs, other than the, the Hibs result, you look at the other ones and you think, aye, they were, they were all stick on the ways. I know. Well, I don't know. Aberdeen was a bit of a dodgy one. Aye, Aberdeen. Aye, Aberdeen. This, Aberdeen suddenly decided they were good again. So. That's the thing. We should just, we should just have, we should have went Celtic, Inverness, Motherwell in the charity bit. Motherwell? Mm-hmm. Against Dundee United? No, no, last week I'm saying... Oh, last week. Because I think we all predicted those wins. Yep. That's what we should do with the charity bit. Oh, well, see, we need to change the running order then. Greg, I need to to scrunch up my agenda. Right, we'll see how it goes this week, right? Right. And if if it looks as though we're getting more success with that, maybe we should should try with that next week. Right, so the first game up, uh, we've got quite a few three o'clock kickoffs on Saturday. We've got Aberdeen against Inverness. I'm going to go 3-2 to Inverness. I think that's a big test for Inverness. If they can if they can get three points out of this, then I think they might actually be uh, up there for a, a title challenge. But uh, they, they, they have a habit of struggling at Petardry over the years. So, hmm, I'm going to, I'm going to give them it. I'm going to say 2-1 Inverness. Aye, bye. Billy McKay and Ford look as though they're on fire at the minute. So, yep. Inverness to win 3-1. Celtic against St. Johnson. I'm going to go 3-1 to Celtic. Uh, I'm going to say 2-0 Celtic. Ah, I think it could be a, an easy Celtic win here. St. Johnson have dipped a wee bit. 4-0 Celtic. Oof. See, I, I would have went for that. I don't know, being for the fact we're playing in Europe. And yeah. maybe, maybe tired. So. Yeah, it's on the Tuesday. No, it's on the Wednesday, isn't it? It's on the Wednesday, yeah. Oh, oh. Right. 
then we've got Hibs against St Mirren now I've already I've already said what's going to happen in this game it's going to be 2-0 to Hibs ah, same for me 2-0 one each oh, oh. I'm telling you it's one each written all over it it's, that's going to sink the bet it's one each oh Right, okay, right. Partick against Killy, 2-1, Partick. 1-0, Partick. Aye, aye, 1-0, Partick. Just just enough to edge it. Ross County against Hearts, 2-1, away one. Mm, I'll say one each. Two each. Okay, we, we, we really shouldn't call it Partick, by the way, because I've seen Thistle fans moan about that. Because they're not in Partick. Partick's like a train station in... A different bit of Glasgow. Yeah, Mary Hill, Mary Hill Thistle. They, uh, they should. Uh, that's the safe fault for having a stupid name. They're not, they're not in Partick. What you call Partick for? <laughs> that's what I, I, just, I just started calling Thistle. I, I know I just said that like two minutes ago, but Partick is a copy you. Did Did they not used to be in Partick? Um, like, I don't know. I think so. Years ago, I think they were originally, and then they shunted them to the north of Glasgow, like yeah, I mean, millions of years ago now. So it might have just been the first few years of it. Anyway. I think that's where it comes from. I'm sure I read that somewhere. Read that in a book somewhere. I well, <laughs> I think you're right, Greg. I think they've yep. not played in Partick since 1908. That sounds about right. I wasn't sure of the exact year, but that, that now you mention it, I think that's exactly right. Let me just say that. Ah, they were formed in 1876 in the borough oh, of Partick. Aye, aye. Aye. Aye, aye, you're not. Aye, they, they moved from home to home for the, the next 33 years. Aye. In 1909, they moved to their present home for Hill, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah, which is uh, uh, the main Hill district of Glasgow. Yeah. Yep. So that, that's the history of Partick. <laughs> <laughs> on Sunday, we've got a three o'clock kickoff on BT1, and that's Dundee United against Motherwell. I'm going to go 2 2. Why is this on a Sunday? Is it on the telly? It's on the telly box. I just said BT1. Yeah, a three o'clock kickoff on the telly. Yep. Do you know, listen to me, Chris, when I do my wee introduction, I always mention if it's on the telly. It was the time it threw me. And I've had games on at three o'clock on a Sunday before. Well, see, usually it's like 3.15, stupid thing. Yeah. Friend so Johnson against Hearts was on at three o'clock on the 4th yeah. of August, but that wasn't on the telly box. There was Kilmarnock against Hibs was on at three o'clock on the 5th of May, and that was on Sky Sports 4. It's all in my wee black book. I could refer back, I could, tell, I could tell you all these games. In fact, I'm going way back to the start of the year and there wasn't that many at three o'clock on Sundays. See, yeah, see what I mean? But it's uh, happened. It's right, happened. okay, so it's three o'clock on Sunday and it's on BT Sport 1. Aye. Is that the same channel as the Rangers games? No, I, I told you that earlier. Sky Sports 3. Maybe I didn't, oh, but it's in my notes. So right, okay. I'll tell you that. It's 12.45 kick-off, Sky Sports 3. Right, so they probably don't want to clash with the, the jig hat-trick. Nah, you, you don't want that. You, you, you want to be able to watch one then the other. So, aye. So, that should be a good game, actually. Dunn United, well, Dunn United scored four in the last two games. So. I don't think they'll do that again. But they seem to be getting their, their act together now, having had a shaky start to the season. They're just banging in the goals. Their defence didn't look too great at the end of that game against Ross County, though. So, I think there's always a chance for them. So, I'm going to stay... I'm going to go with two each. Uh, is a good prediction, Chris? I think... Uh, I think it's a home win 3-2 Dundee United Not very confident Greg Nope Our defence is uh, Sketchy To say the least 3-2 yeah. But a cracking game I think I think there's definitely Goals in that so If you're looking for A wee cheeky bet 
Test. Paul Bander. <laughs> we're, we're all predicting goals, so we are money on Paul Bander. <laughs> well, there's going to be goals in the Rangers game as well. The Rangers are, are banging them in. Especially Jig, he's going to get another hat trick. As long as he gets the first goal, that's what's the matter. <laughs> <laughs> right, NASA's done the predictions. And it's normally at this point I say, right, that's us done for the podcast. Is there anything you want to say? But I've got a wee bit of a random comment to make at the end here. Right. I was on the BBC website and I spotted that Shevchenko is taking up professional golf. Is he? Cool. Shevchenko of Chelsea, was it Dynamo Moscow, AC Milan? Dynamo uh, Kiev. Dynamo Kiev. That's it. That's it. Well, anyway, he's taking up professional golf, but unfortunately... He missed the cut. Missed the cut after being 40 strokes off the lead. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so Aye. he's not as good at golf as he is at football. He's was 26 over. So. <laughs> nice. He's not really a professional golfer, is he? No. But he's he's trying, though. Kid knowing he's professional. Because you get nothing better day with his life now. <laughs> right, that's my random. My right. random football story. My, my, I'm, I've got two quick ones. Uh, I noticed that Louis Tomlinson isn't going to play for Doncaster Rovers reserves because he's still injured for that Gabby Aguano on it. Tackle on him. Is he? Last week. <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah, I just stay away from the real football. Son. I said it last week. But uh, my, my, my other thing isn't really random. It's the, the, the Scottish Cup, which we skipped. Because <laughs> I just thought... Oh, but that, I'm telling you, it's in my agenda. I know, we, might, we skipped it though. So, but I, I just thought I'd go back and mention it. Uh, the first round is at the weekend, so we had the, the it's basically like non-league and lower leagues and goals to lower. It was, I was, I mean, Wick Academy thumped Goldstream six 0 Devon Vale won five 0 against Clark Nakudden. Fraserburgh beat Civil Service Strollers. That's a great name. Oh, that's a great name, isn't it? I'm Forrest... to get a Civil Service Strollers shirt, I think. No, it, 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 it sounds like <laughs> this has been pushing prams about, doesn't it? Oh, definitely, brilliant. Forrest McCarrie four, Keith five. They're a high-scoring game. That's a cracker. Wigton and Bladenock three, Bucky Thistle four. Wigton and Bladenock, is that not a pipe band? I've seen them at the championships, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I've never I've never been, Chris. Have you not? Oh, you should go. It's brilliant. Are you sure? Oh, aye. <laughs> see, if, see if you like your pipe music, go and watch it. It's brilliant. But I don't. <laughs> I do you know what I waste of time with. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was actually going to recommend the... Uh, you go across to the the one that comes after it, uh, Danoon, the Kill Games. But unfortunately, that was the last Kill Games just there at the end of August. I'm not doing it anymore. Oh, how not? I, I don't know. It's disappointing because that, that would have been better because you get the pipe band kind of championship at it. But you also get the Highland dancing and the cable tossing and hammer throwing. And the... Are you a chicter, Chris? I'd be right up uh, Craig Street tossing his cable. Enjoys that. Only at the weekend. Anyway, eh, Huntley 3, Preston Athletic 4. So that's, that's another one. And eh, the Preston Athletic's reward for that was to get, they get to go to Hamden already because they drew Queen's Park in the second round. I think that's a great shoot for a, a, a cup shock, by the way. Yeah, definitely. Fancy Athletic, that, yep. Eh, Preston Athletic started pretty well in the, the Lowland League, so I think they will, eh, they'll be up for a, a, wee, a wee shock here at Hamden. Eh, Wick Academy's reward was to play Turf United. Try to see what other eh, interesting kind of draws there were. Brora Rangers and Cove Rangers. I think Rangers are one that. So are you referring to the, the BBC website that has two games and that's it? <laughs> the cup. They, they just not updated it. It's like the BBC's a 
a slight BBC are a shambles, total shambles, man, for a national broadcasting company. Oh, no. You know what? They've probably got two games because they've got Fort William or Newton Stewart will play Washington or Kilter. And yep. those two games will still be played. So, yep. were they draws at the weekend or something? Aye, well, yeah. aye. So they're, they've Newton Stewart against Fort Williams at 2 o'clock, which is a strange kick-off on a Saturday. Was it about? Aye. But aye, I don't know why the BBC don't keep their, their fixtures up to date because surely they've got a staff. That's their job. It's as simple as that. It's, it's not even uh, somebody doing it in their spare time. I, I just don't understand. <laughs> hey, this is possibly my favourite game, though. It was uh, played the first round. Inverurie Locos 3, Burnt Island Shipyard now. The trains beat the boats. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you don't get names like that, really, in... I know, that's, yeah, that's, a great thing about, that's a great thing about the early, early rounds, you get to see all these great names. Yeah, I think it was Sterling Albion were investigating getting sponsored by Compare the Market. <laughs> Sterling Albion Meerkats. Aye, and it's such a stupid idea. Hull City are now Hull City Tigers. <laughs> yeah. I think, to be fair, I think that's only the, the, the holding company that's that called that, and really the football team's still Hull City. Which I, I don't know. I see this holding company club nonsense. Just confusing me these days. Aye, there's too much being said about that, Chris. Clubs, about clubs and company and the same company, the same club. I don't know. I don't know. Right, Greg, where's your random bit? <sighs> he, didn't, he didn't give me any prior warning. I've not got any random. <laughs> well, what Maybe about next the, week? The NASA frog. Is that random enough for you? You seen that? The what? Right, the NASA frog. Get yourself on the forum, forums.scottishfootballforums.co.uk, <laughs> and check out the NASA frog. Greg, you'll like it. You'll laugh, but then you'll I'm, feel bad for laughing because you'll right, realise what's went on. I'm right on it, mate. I'm right on it. As right. soon as this is finished, you'll enjoy forget, it. Forget Breaking Bad. I'm on the NASA frog. Do, do you want me? <laughs> do you want me to throw in an all random, mate? Right. This is off the BBC website. A non-league football match in Salisbury was disrupted on Saturday when a parachutist landed on the pitch. The game between Salisbury City and Chester at Raymond Mechanel's stadium was stopped shortly before the final whistle when the male skydiver landed. <laughs> and there's a video. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, he was taking part of a charity yeah, skydive and landed on the pitch. That's brilliant. <laughs> that is good. That is good. He's going to be famous. Although, he's probably barred for life. So they take that probably, kind of thing aye. pretty seriously. And they probably get a criminal <laughs> record because the police don't like you getting on at the pitch. Pitch invasion. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's a good one to end on, Chris. Right. But thanks for coming on and I'll see you next week for what will be the 99th SFF podcast. Oh, we're nearly at the, the big turn-up. Do you think Wario will be back in time for the turn-up? Oh, he's still looking into his broadband. I don't know what's going <laughs> on. Oh, my God. What's he doing? Weighing the fibre himself? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, see, for the hundredth, I might get steamboats and just F and Jeff my way through it. What's it, Tag? It'll be like the olden days when I used to come on steaming. <laughs> the thing is, I'm, I end up quite dour when I'm, when I'm drunk and just mumble my way through. You should do it we'll see. <laughs> So, some ways I've got work. This is recorded on Monday night. I've got work in the morning. I can't drink. I, I've got myself a wee whiskey, but just, just one. Just one. Right, but thanks for coming on, Chris and Greg. And I'll speak to you next week. Thanks for listening as well. Yep, cheers. See you later. Right, cheers. Bye. Right.